Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I'm Angela Wilson. I'm Tyler, and I was born jaundiced. That was the title of the film we're going to review today, or talk about today, before the title was changed to its actual title of, can you guess it? I'm confused with all that sentence you just said. Can you guess it? What what sentence? Why are you confused? I was rolling with the punches. So the movie we are going to talk about today is My Girl. And Tyler was mentioning the original title that was thrown out there of... Born Jaundice. I was born jaundiced. I was born jaundiced. It's the first line of dialogue in the movie My Girl. And its working title was Born Jaundiced. I don't know if you knew that yeah. when you said that. I think I read it on some internet source of information the webs so we're going to talk about my girl from 1991 today we are but before we jump into that what you've been watching recently tyler well before that we if you were listening to the last episode at the end look we've done this a couple of times now we're like okay stay tuned for the next episode and then we don't do that and we did that again last time we said we we're gonna do signs and look we're gonna do signs really soon we, we got something uh, in particular planned for that so we did we couldn't do it then we're doing my girl now just be cool about it just be cool so this is episode nine sure yeah, if you're keeping track. <laughs> I am. I definitely am. So, Tyler, what have you been watching recently? Well, I interestingly enough, maybe we, we watched My Girl before I went and saw this, but I went and saw Eighth Grade, which is another movie about a young girl, a little bit older. She's uh, in eighth grade. I think Veda in My Girl is 11? meant to be, yeah, she's 11. So that puts little, her in like sixth, seventh grade. Yeah, it's a little bit of a difference there. But Eighth Grade is a film uh, written and directed by Bo Burnham. He's a comedian, but it is a movie about a eighth grade girl um, played by Elsie Fisher, who I think she's just been a voice in like Despicable Me. She's not really well known. And she's kind of an introverted girl, and it's just kind of her last two weeks of school before she's going off to high school. And uh, yeah, it's really good. It's kind of kind of strange at how good it is, considering uh, the source. Uh, Bo Burnham is a a man, a male comedian, and has somehow tapped into a very uh, specific character that I think is interesting. It it there's a lot of universality when it comes to like going to middle school, obviously. So there's a lot of those elements in it, but at the same time, it has a lot of this. Um, yeah, very specific to a, a young girl's experience, and it was, I found it to be really compelling. It's really funny. Um, it's it's a small movie, um, but it has some creative aspects to it, and I think the Elsie Fisher is a, really really good at, and it's a tough role to play. I think playing an introverted kid sounds kind of easy. Um, it's like oh, I'll just be quiet or whatever, but that's not not at all because she's actually trying to be more outgoing, and she does like these YouTube videos to kind of almost pump herself up. She's providing advice that she herself should be following. And, uh, yeah, no, it's really good. And, uh, yeah, it, it, there's a couple different aspects I thought were... I, I think you could have set the movie, and I think a, a lot of uh, filmmakers would assume that maybe he would set it during when he was in that grade, maybe in the 90s, like our show, but he sets it... Well, fun story, the yeah. 90... He was born in 1990, Bill... Bill Bo Burnham, yeah. Bo Burnham. So, oh, wow, so he's younger. He's a young guy. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, so I guess that makes more sense, but, I mean, what's interesting about it is that it is very much a now movie. It is about uh, a girl who is on her phone. It's not a... I wouldn't say it's a negative depiction at all. I think it's just a reality of all these kids that are just on their phones constantly, there's an interesting scene where they have like kind of an extended scene where they are doing like a 
active shooter uh, test at the school, which I thought was like, wow, you don't see that in a movie that would be set in My Girl or anything like that. It kind of just it, it makes it of its time in a in a way that um, it's not calling attention to it, but at the same time, it's just like giving you another piece of reality that these kids are dealing with. And uh, I really liked it. It's it's a it's a good movie. It's it's funny. Um, I would recommend it. I don't like that it's R. It's rated R, and I don't think it should be rated R. Um, yeah, what makes it rated R? A little bit of language, a little bit of sexual talk, but things that would be um, appropriate for an eighth grader to hear. But in particular, there's an, uh, just an incredibly uncomfortable sequence that uh, has um, you know, she gets involved with a, a guy that's older than her, and it's oh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's like. Uh, you know, I, I it's a it's a good piece of I, I don't know. I think an eighth grader would really benefit from watching it, and, and would get a lot out of it. I think that the rating is garbage, so hmm. I would recommend uh, anybody see it though. It's really good. Cool. So that was eighth grade by Bo Burnham, and it is in theaters as of this recording. But you know, it's eight twenty four. That studio keeps knocking them out of the park, man. Cool. What um, else have you been watching? <laughs> so. Uh, our kids, they really like this uh, movie called The Emoji Movie. The Emoji Movie. Because it's on Netflix and whatever. It's bright and colorful and our kids are young. And, um, you know, I I knew about this movie last year. It was, like, very low rated. Uh, it was kind of just, like, trashed pawn as being just a worthless piece of product, essentially. And uh, I resisted watching it because I just... Yeah, look, our kids should know better. I don't know why you let them watch it, but uh, you certainly did, and now they think it's really funny. So, I, you know, I watched it with them, and I just I don't know, like, why? Why do they like it? I'm having a hard time It wasn't that bad. I feel like, didn't we talk about this in a previous episode? I don't know, but I... It, it wasn't that bad. It's not like... No, but what? It, it is that bad, but, um, but why? Like, why do they find it... Why do they find it... What's what's entertaining about it to them? They don't understand what like phone emojis are anyway. They don't even know what's going on in this movie. Like, why do they like it? I think they connect to the the story of a character who is a child and who's growing up and who's being told that child he has to be a certain T. J. Person. Miller. <laughs> no, that's not T. J. Miller's not the main character. He is too. You keep telling me that it's not. It's James Corden and T. J. Miller. T. J. Miller who is plays the, man. the hand. That's James Corden. Oh. Okay. T.J. Miller is the meh character. Okay, so the meh character is being told by his parents exactly who he has to be. Yeah. And he's discovering that there's more to him than what his parents say. Uh-huh. Okay, so the reality <laughs> is it's bright and funny and fast-paced. And for our children, it explores a world that they don't really get to connect to. Because our kids are so young, they don't they see us on our phones, but they don't know what like apps are. So it, it's this magical fantasy world they don't really understand or know about. To me, it is like a third-rate... Inside Out or Wreck It Ralph. I yes, don't no know. one's arguing that. But why? No, don't let them watch it anymore. It's terrible. You're the one who turned it on last, so because you they, were guilty. Because our seven year old is like, you have to watch it. You think it's funny. And every five minutes, she's like, see? Didn't you think that was funny? And I had to look at her dead in the face and be like, no, it was not funny. You were wrong. You are young and dumb. You called her dumb? No, but you know what I mean. No, I don't. <sighs> I'm not here. You're here with kids all day. I don't know what you do when okay, you say to so them. On the, on the positive note, like, our oldest was, like, resistant to watching Ratatouille, which is a great movie. Because um, she's like, I don't want to watch that movie about rats. She has a book of it or something like that, and she doesn't like the book. But then, anyway, guess what? Guess what? We watched it. She sat down. She loved that thing because it's a good film. We need to be showing her good films and not bad films. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'll say about that. Ratatouille is great. The Emoji Movie, if we could just purge that from Netflix sometime soon, that would be great. 
I, I don't disagree. There are better movies. I recently tried to get them to watch Dumbo, the old one. Yeah. From 1941. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really old movie. So that's like, yeah, I think that's like 80 years old. Well, and you know, that it's notable now because there is a Tim Burton version coming out with that. I think we talked about that when we did Mars Attacks. We did. Connections. Connections. So maybe it was on my mind. Maybe. Um, So watching it again, you know, I've watched it several times growing up and throughout um, time. Yeah. A few times. (laughs) Um, There are still some racist scenes in it. I don't remember that that at all, but it's been a while. So, the you remember the part with the crows? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Okay, so that part's pretty racist. Um, but it was 1941, so it's not intentionally... Yeah, I guess. I'm surprised they actually let that thing get out on video and all that. Because, you know, they got rid of that one really bad one that none of us have seen. Song of the South or whatever, so... Yeah. yeah, there are just a couple scenes um, that are kind of uncomfortable. Our kids were kind of bored by it, so they lost interest a little bit. It's a short movie, too. It's only like an hour and five minutes. It's real short. Um, but I enjoyed it. I has some one of my favorite songs, Baby Mine. Yeah, and it has that trippy uh, drug scene where they're like going um, crazy. Yeah, our kids were super confused by that. They were like, what's happening? <laughs> Why is that happening? I was like, it's kind of like a dream. And then they're like, but they're not dreaming. They're like awake. And I was like, it's sort of like a, an awake dream. So I was trying to describe, like, a drug trip. I did tell Mar- uh, Marion, who's seven, I was like, oh, did you see they uh, spilled some champagne into the water? And that's alcohol, so, you know, that's only for adults. And she was like, oh, what's going to happen? So Tripping balls is what they're going to happen. I may have terrified her that, God, if I drink alcohol, I'm going to, like, trip out and have, like, well acid loop dreams. As you recall, we went to a baseball game as a family, and <laughs> our five-year-old looked at us. And saw us drinking a diet soda and asked, hey, mom, can I have some of that wine? <laughs> yeah, so that's a clue. We don't really drink soda in our house, but yeah. we do drink another adult beverage. Yeah, we call them the both. Yeah, we realize that we both call them the both adult beverages. So, yeah, but this yeah. is in front of lots of people who are like, oh, yeah, can I have some of that wine? It's like, no, like, be cool, <laughs> kid. We don't, there's some wine in here. I should have brought some wine to the baseball game. That would have been fun. Yes. Um. All right. Did you watch anything else besides Dumbo? Um, tonight we just watched a fun show with Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman called Making It. Oh, that was a good show. Oh, uh, if you love Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman, and you also like competition shows like cooking shows mm-hmm. or other shows like that, you'll really enjoy Making It. It's on Hulu. They have one episode NBC, out. Yeah. Um, and it's just them doing funny bits, but it's about um, crafters and people c- competing. There's like eight, eight competitors, and they get yeah. to do a couple different challenges. It's like... Yeah, I mean, it's like watching uh, the baking a baking show, only it's with crafting. Or um, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, they should just make a thousand of these with Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman as funny hosts, and they're yes. you're checking that reality box without like being so mind-numbingly stupid. It's uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's great summer TV, is what it is. Great summer TV. Can't wait for the next episode. But other than that, I haven't really watched much. We've been just busy having a good summer. Great. Okay. Well. Speaking of summer, isn't My Girl set in the summer? It certainly is. My Girl Connections came out in 1991. When the Twins won the World Series. And again, like the last movie we talked about, um, Mars Attacks, I felt like was a summer movie. My Girl feels like a summer movie, but it was actually released in November 1991. Surprising. So what's up with these like summer set movies that are released in the winter? So they were. This was really November, if you recall. This is just right after when the Minnesota Twins won the World Series, which was a big deal. Um, wow! Basically, the greatest event in in the history of the world. Um, yeah, then my girl came out. Wow. Well, let's keep it moving from the Minnesota Twins. But in case you missed it, Tyler's a Minnesota Twins fan. Game six and seven are classic games. 
Okay, so here are the high stats on my girl. High stats. This is what officially called Oh, it's it. totally... It, it's right. a thing now. Okay, that's the um, name. Came out in 1991. Okay. It is rated... PG. PG, correct. It clocks in at one hour and 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. Again, released in November 1991. And before we talk about the plot, let's talk about how much money it made. So, what's your guess for what um, it was? The pro- production budget was twenty million. Yeah, pretty close. It was seventeen million. Yeah. Um, the domestic total gross was about sixty million. Oh, it's a good, pretty solid hit for them then. Yeah, pretty solid hit for them. Uh, at one, we said how long was the movie? One forty-one, one forty-two. Yep, an hour, yeah. hour forty-two minutes. Maybe like eleven or twelve minutes off. That would be perfect. Yeah, I do love those ninety-minute movies. It's just a little. There's a couple. Yeah, I could. I just could, tighten it I up just a little, a little bit more. I could get a knife in there and just slice some stuff out. I think. So before we dive into the plot, we're gonna yeah. start with a new segment. You know how I like to add new segments, Tyler. You got loud because I, I guess you do like new segments. I love new segments. So I haven't named this new segment, but it's gonna be called "What Do You Remember?" Well, um. Because it's like old millennials remember po- movies, podcasts. Yeah. So, what do you remember? So, okay. Okay. before we go back and watch and remember the movie, Tyler and I each sat down and in about thirty seconds just wrote down what we could remember for the plot. Yeah. Um. So it's really fun because it's not like what do you actually remember? And what I remember when I was writing it is a lot less than when I'm watching the movie. I'm like, I remember every single one of these scenes. So it's yeah. kind of fun. Um. So who wants to go first? Go ahead. Okay, I'll go first. So this is what I wrote for What Do You Remember About My Girl from 1991. Okay. Um, in parentheses, I wrote, mostly I remember loving this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but then to the plot. Um, the preteen, early teen girl has a best friend. They're playing in the woods. The boy is allergic to bees. He ends up knocking down a beehive in the woods while he's playing by himself and dies. She has to deal with that. It's sad and sweet. She may start her period somewhere in there as well. Which I think is, so your paragraph is great, because it speaks to your reaction to literally every scene in the movie as it was going on. Because the only thing you really remember about this movie is that it's about a girl, and her friend gets killed by bees. Yes. And so, for the entire movie, you're like, oh, this is the scene where he gets killed by the bees. I was very nervous. Like way late. Way at the end. <laughs> way at the and end. And I knew that, but, okay, well, this is what I wrote. This is, you were surprised, but I, I told you this. The daughter of a mortician. When, exa- when he t- you said that, I remembered it immediately. He's like, oh, yeah, totally. And suddenly the movie came back. The daughter of a mortician comes of age as her dad dates a new lady, slash gets a new wife she befriends kevin McAllister, who gets killed by motherfucking bees <laughs> anna klumsky is sad also in part two she goes to california to learn more about her dead mom meets a long-haired dreamboat that's the plot of my girl too which we are not gonna watch at least not, not right away we don't, we don't have it but um but yeah so kevin McAllister, obviously that's macaulay culkin this was a movie that he made this is 1991 he made home alone the year before that Home Alone 2 came out the year after that. So this is right into the Mac Culkin uh, phenomenon frenzy. People, Mac Culkin? The Mac Culkin frenzy. No one's ever called him the that Mac ever. The Mac Culkin phenomenon. Now you just said Colton. Colton. <laughs> Mac Colton. Mike Mac Culkin? <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, Mac Culkin. Got it. So this is just an... I mean, he was a superstar at this time, mm-hmm. right? So... Th- and I'm sorry we spoiled it, but... Motherfucker gets killed in the movie. Oh my god, so sad. Right, and so I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in the mindset, because I, I, well, I have to ask you, do you remember seeing this movie in the movie theater? <laughs> well, it was 1991, so I was eight years old, so that's a hard no. Hard no. Okay, well, I mean, that's probably true. I don't recall seeing in the theater, this was like, I feel like this was a real solid, like, Videonics rental, 
Like oh, we'd go, yeah. we'd pick up the tape, and then it might have been on TV afterwards. But I remember watching this, and uh, we watched it a couple times, rent, renting that that sucker. What I can tell you is that my auntie Peggy loved this movie. She may have rented it all the time or owned it because I saw yeah. a lot of times with her at her house. Yeah, I yeah for sure. So that's that's definitely what happens. But like just thinking back in 1991, okay, you know Minnesota Twins won the World Series. Macaulay oh Culkin, God. huge star. Here's a movie like people the fan the, the fans are ready to go. They're like, oh man, we have to wait another year for Home Alone two. We can't get that. Let's go see this movie. Okay, he's not the star, but he is a friend. They're getting into some summer standings. That's new. We've only seen him in Christmas films. Mm-hmm. We're ready to go, right? Oh, bees! This is going to be fun. And then he's dead. Um, I'm scowling at you right now. <laughs> Because I'm reading the storyline summary on the internet uh-huh. on, you know, the IMDb. Yeah. And it's almost as if you read it right before you wrote yours. I did not. I swear I didn't. I think you did. I think you're a liar. No. I think you're a cheater. I'm not a cheater. Let me go ahead and read it for you. Read it. Which one's Tyler's? Which one's the, the I have IMDb? mine written down. I didn't look at that. Okay, okay. Here it goes. Yep. 1972. Veda Sultanfuss, played by Anna Klumski. Didn't say that. Is an intelligent, I know her name. bubbly, hypochondriacal... 11-year-old. I didn't say any of those things. Her father, Harry, is a mortician. That's a main part of the movie. (laughs) Her best friend is Macaulay Culkin. These are all just facts of the film. Then her father hires a new receptionist, Jamie Lee Curtis, and life will never be the same again. So what's interesting about that description and my description, in that they are similar in the fact that that person and me remembers watching the movie. (laughs) You're such an (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Like, that's it. Because Dan Aykroyd playing a mortician is like, he's, I mean, really... The movie's really split in half, because a lot of the movie takes place where Anna Klumsky's not even around. It's like Dan Aykroyd dating Jamie Lee Curtis, his new employee, which, I mean, that's weird in itself, but, uh, yeah. But, I listen, do you think that there was riots when people came out of the movie and they saw Matt Culkin was dead? Did people riot? Were they so angry? They did not riot, but the producers of the movie did hire clinical psychologists to view the movie and put out marketing materials to say it is your child will be psychologically safe to see this movie. I don't know if you're psychologically safe because it seems like you were touched by this in a very real um, way. Yes, and as we were watching it again, at the end, yeah. when he dies, yeah. it's one of those where like when you're crying, you don't want other people to see you. Yeah. And I look over at you and you look over at me and we are sobbing and it is I didn't sob. Oh, you were sobbing. It was not sobbing. You you were sobbing, no. and you were like, and nope. I was like, nope, nope, I deny You're this. You're such a liar. I deny this, and I'm not a person that's getting denied crying in a movie, but I was not sobbing. You were crying. No, I was not. Did you have tears flooding out of your eyeballs? No. You're such a I liar. Did. And I, look, I, I, listen, You were I cry, too crying. I cried. You're saying you had no tears? I had no tears. I had, there You're was, full of shit. I had like a lump in my throat maybe no, a little there bit. There were tears. No, there was not. You're so full of shit I don't, right now. I'm not, listen, I'm not the type to deny it. I'm just telling you honestly, there was no tears. Okay, so earlier you were mentioning that if it's almost like there's two films going on here. Yeah, there is. So that's going to feed into my, what would Roger say? say? It's our segment about Roger Ebert. Okay, so Tyler, what's your guess about how many stars Roger Ebert gave my girl? I'm going to go with what I always go with, two and a half stars. I'm giving a finger to point upwards. Three stars. Ooh, more than three? Yeah. Three and a half. He gave this all three and a half. Oh, that's, that's a big score for me. And I would favorite. agree with him. So good job, Roger. Scored that one correctly. I mean, we'll talk about my rating, but yeah. <sighs> God, you're such a downer. 
I'm not okay. giving you down. I'm just... Okay, what did he say? Okay, so I'm going to just read a couple paragraphs. He talks about the characters and the actors. Mm-hmm. Um, Veda is played by Anna Klumsky. Yep. A newcomer who does a good job of creating her smart, curious, gloomy character. Mm-hmm. Thomas J., her best pal, is McCoy Culkin in his first role since Home Alone. Oof. And once again, he is a solemn, owl-eyed little boy who Stop. sees much and says little. Owl-eyed. I love that description. Owl-eyed. Perfect. Spot on. That's exactly what he is. I like this part that says, Adults in movies like this are often turned into dotty caricatures. But it says a lot for the filmmakers, director Howard Zeif and writer Loris Ella Waney, that they see their adults as normal people. Mm-hmm. The father's played by Dan Aykroyd and the new cosmetologist by Jamie Lee Curtis, and they're both lonely as the movie opens. Aykroyd hasn't dated in 20 years, and Curtis confides that she took the job, even though I don't much like dead people, she says in the movie, because she saw that a family lived there and thought it would be good for her. And then it continues. But I yeah, thought she, that- she was she went for a makeup job, did not know it was a, um, a funeral home. But then took the job. Yeah, so I thought it was a a good capture of kind of. Yeah, I agree that the parents. Because it's a big part the of the movie. I it, I think that's maybe the most surprising thing watching it for me this time was like, number one, it, it like like you like when we started watching it, the whole thing flooded back like more details than just like the bees or whatever. It was like, oh yeah, no, I saw this movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Then the other part of it is is like, yeah, there's a lot of this movie that's taking place even without Anna Klumsky where there's some courtship going on between Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis, which is, it's weird. I did end up looking this up, but it, to me it seems like Dan Aykroyd seems a lot older than what Jamie Lee Curtis is playing in this. Maybe because she's just playing like a hippie who's supposedly young, she's dressing younger. The Really, in real life, the two actors are only like six years apart, so it's mm-hmm. not like a big, it's not a big shift, really. I think he seems older than her because he's doing a good job of playing like a frumpy dad yeah. who's sad and works too much and is kind of lonely i think he kind of pulls off the like f- sad sad fat and lonely character my mileage well. my mileage varies on dan Aykroyd as an actor sometimes i think it he brings something to to movies sometimes it's uh, very obnoxious um i think he's mostly good in this mm-hmm. I, there's not anything objectively other than the scene where he plays a tuba and i'm just like fuck you dan Aykroyd, go away oh my god stop <laughs> i don't need you playing a tuba in the movie um, but yeah, no, I think that it's, uh, yeah, those, it's an interesting courtship. I'm not sure if there's like a, a ton of chemistry there, but, uh, it, it works fine. I don't, I, I'm not complaining about it. Yeah, there isn't really a lot of natural on-screen chemistry. No, because, well, I mean, it's Jamie Lee Curtis, who is great. And then, you know, Dan Aykroyd. He's kind of frumpy. Playing a tuba. So, you know. Playing a tuba. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. I'm um, speaking of tuba. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the music in the movie just a little bit. Yeah. I really um, tried to pay attention to the music in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really great. <laughs> that's my summary. It was really great. Well, I think that it's interesting is that, um, that's my favorite word is interesting, but it's for, think about it as a kid. Um, it's set in 1972. So this is an introduction of sorts to a lot of classic music, probably. And so nothing in the movie is like, it's a very, it's popular hits. I mean, these are popular songs. Mm-hmm. You're going to recognize them and... You know, I know a lot of people don't like that later and, you know, more in these type of movies. But for a kid watching it, it's, like, a good entry point. The kids actually sing in the movie a little bit. They, like, do the... Uh, there he was, just a walking down the street. Yeah, they, the, uh, Anna Klumsky, Veda, and Thomas J. are singing that. Uh-huh. They do the... It's not a popular... But, you know, like, 
Veda, Veda, Bobeda, Banana, Man. That's where I learned that. And I actually wrote that down that like, Fee, Fi, for Veda, Veda. I learned that little bit from this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that, there's that aspect to it. So like, they're singing. That's part of it. Um, the, the titular song doesn't come on until the end, um, on the credits. Mm hmm. But yeah, no, there's other, there's other music in it that's really good. Um, so what did you think? So I have to admit that I randomly had (laughs) just saw, just like I, there's an app on my phone that's called Pluto TV, and it's just like it emul it, it like tries to be like a cable network. Like there's several channels, but it's like not real channels. It's like secondary garbage, right? And they have like movie channels, and it's usually like, and I, I wish I had known about this because we didn't have to buy the three dollar DVD. But they were playing My Girl on it, and I had just turned it. And you just turn it on your phone, and it just turns on whatever's playing. You can change the channel, but um, My Girl was playing, and it was right after the bees. <laughs> And so for about three minutes, I was watching Anna Klumski, like, react to this See, death. you're a cheater. You watched that before we did our just little the, exercise. But it was oddly just the scene where it was not It was not a cheater. I'm telling cheater, you. Cheater, cheater, feeder, five, five, but beater, well, cheater. We're not going to continue this podcast if you're going to keep uh, teasing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's our thing. Okay. Um, but no, like, I thought when I was watching it in that sequence, like, she's going to the doctor and she's like, oh, I feel bee stings all over me. So out of context watching it, I was like, whoa, this is like, this is kind of melodramatic, right? But then when we watched it, I mean, we're starting off, the first scene of the movie is her at the doctor's office, like, saying, I was born jaundiced. I think I have a chicken bone in my throat. She's very, uh, she's very much she's a, a hypochondriac. hypochondriac. Yeah. And so, like, it, uh, my question is, is like, what did you think about Anna Klumski's performance here? I just, I love her so much in this movie. I'm not really an objective viewer. I felt like, you know, it's weird that I was only eight when the movie came out because I feel like I was 11, 10, 11, right at her age when I watched the movie. you were, yeah. And so my memories are solid. And as I was watching it, I was like, that is like an 11-year-old. And I feel like she pulls it off totally. And when the melodramatic scene comes at the end where she's totally losing her shit, I think she earns it. Yeah. And it's viable as an 11-year-old. I think that it does a really good job in the beginning, especially to kind of get you into this character. Because it's a tricky part. Because it is a... She has these clever... She's clever. She's funny. Her lines of dialogue are funny, right? Because she's, Mm -hmm. like, saying, I'm a hypochondriac. I'm I'm afraid I'm dying. All this other stuff. It's very actor... Like, an actor would chew on it. Even if you gave it to Macaulay Culkin, I think he would find a way to, like, allied it up and, like, chew it up a little bit. I don't think Anna Klumski cutes it up. I think it's just, like, a very natural-feeling performance. And I think it's probably the main reason why the movie works, at least now, going back and looking at it, and why it was probably successful at the time. I think she is really good, like, probably perfect for the role written. I don't imagine another person being as good as she is here. Yeah, she wasn't trying to be cutesy or anything. She was just... It felt really authentic. And that's like a connection with 8th grade, I feel like, in that movie. The girl, while not like especially famous, just feels like the right character, the right person to play this character without it really like standing out and being weird about it. But, okay, so Anna Klumski's great. We'll talk about Mac Culkin some more in a little bit, but like I thought was interesting about this is we're introduced to this mortuary and this funeral life and the the idea of death very early on. Like you don't have to know that Macaulay Culkin dies in this movie to know that like something bad's gonna happen in this movie. It's very six feet under. <laughs> it's just every one thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, knowing that we've watched that show in its entirety later on. It, it I mean, there's a lot of connections there as well. Just. The familiarity of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, I put yourself back in 91 or whenever you watched it. Like, 
the first couple scenes is like Anna Klumski is like bringing some kids into the into the room. She's giving money to like no, she's send making the, them pay her so that she can show so them they can show her a dead body. Dead body, and which like she, she doesn't. She pops open a, 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 a casket and there's no body there. But then, then, so okay, that's funny, right? But the next scene, we go down to the basement with Dan Acker and we see a dead body right on the slab. They're working on their other dead bodies in the movie. You get a dead Macaulay Culkin body that mm-hmm. they like ball over later. Like mm-hmm. there's like some heavy stuff in here, and I think. I mean, it's a PG movie, but I think they had to fight for their PG. Yeah. To they were, you know, there was some pushback a little bit, and it's it's kind of jarring. You're like, wow, this movie has uh, has some dead people and some death in it, and a lot of talk. There's a lot of like warning shots of like, hey, we're gonna like we're gonna pull something under. Maybe you think like it's gonna be the dad, or and it's also fair to note that um, Veda's mom has died in childbirth, and that's yeah, a part couple of days after she was born. And that's part of where her anxiety comes from in the movie. She obviously feels I mean, responsible it, for killing her mom. It's vocalized later. She does say, "Like, did I did I kill her?" And I think that that sounds like a weird like when you say that out loud. Like, oh, did they actually vocalize that it, again. It's an Anna Klumska's performance. And it's the bluntness of it. It's like, did I kill her? Did it, I kill my it, mom? And it was really mm-hmm. I thought it was really strong. But um, but yeah, there's like hints of other things. Like, there's a at one point like. Veda and Thomas J pull a dead fish out of the water, and they like he hides the image. She goes, of "Oh, is it okay?" And, and he like, totally lies and is like, "Yep, it's fine." Yeah, it's fine. And like he just a friend would it. do. But then they, they cut back on that fish, and it's just a lot of this stuff. And you know, she's she thinks she's dying. She's going to the the doctor, the the town doctor, and asking. And there's just like you know something bad. It's a lot happen. of foreshadowing to the point where it's a little too much foreshadowing. So this goes back to to your your experience watching the movie. Every time that Macaulay Culkin appeared on screen, no outside, if he outside, was outside in the woods, he was like oh, not even that. You're like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna we're go. getting to it. He thought you thought he was gonna get off really early in this movie. Yeah, I thought it was more about that, but now then when watching it, I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of at the end. Yeah. So I mean, every, it's traumatizing. Every, it's just for me the the soundtrack. You're 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 remarking on the the music soundtrack. I'm remarking on whenever he appear on screen over on the other side of the couch, you'd be like, <gasps> it's scary. <laughs> you were very much uh, alarmed. So scary. Um, ooh, we gotta talk. So she one uh, kind of another subplot of this movie. You got a couple. You know, you got Anna Klumski and Thomas J. They're having a friendship and hanging out. The other segment of this is Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis kind of courting. Maybe another part is, like, Veda getting used to that, which mm-hmm. is, a, that's a big part. But then you have this other part where she's going to a writing class from her teacher that she's in love with, mm-hmm. and it's like a writing class of adults. She's the only kid in the the class. So what I thought was funny, she asked wants money for the, the thing. She ends up stealing the money. That's very scandalous. She steals it from Jamie Lee Curtis. It's 35 bucks or something like that. Well, you got, and they're in 72, I guess that was kind of... Pricey. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I was thinking about that just now. But anyway, she asked, some, asked her dad in the wrong way. She's, goes, she's, watch, he's watching All in the Family, which I remember you <laughs> the remarking. The details you fucking complain about. No, I'm not complaining. This is not a complaint. I'm just saying, like, she played it wrong. Because, first of all, I thought it was funny. You said that your only memory of All in the Family as a television show is from this movie. Yes. That's that's the only place that I've seen that show. And the only memory I have of it like, is the clips in this scene <laughs> of Archie of my Bunker. Girl. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's just a scene and it's just him complaining or whatever. But Dan Aykroyd's really involved in watching it. And right in the middle of the show, Anna Clumps is like, Hey, can I have $35 for a writing course? I was like, 
Dude, that's a wrong. He's enjoying the show. I know as a parent, like, don't inter- like. Hey, kid, don't yeah. fucking interrupt. This is before we could pause things. Yeah, shut up. I'm shut watching up. the show. Of course, it's gonna be a no. God, Stupid kids. kids need to learn. Like, you pause. Our kids know this. Our our seven year old will go when I'm in doing something, especially if I'm watching something. She's like, "Excuse me," or I'm, it's not when I'm watching. It's when I'm watching something and eating some food. <laughs> and she goes, "Excuse me, Dad. You don't have to do this right now. Go ahead and finish eating what you got." But, like, when you're done and when you get up next, could you please uh, maybe get me a snack? Yeah, she's learned to preface it with a <laughs> whole bunch of feel-goods so Dad doesn't lose his shit yeah. on her. Yeah, no. She's learned. very smart. I like it. Anyway, Vader needs to do it. But, okay, so she's in love with the teacher, her school teacher, and that's why she wants to go do the writing course. What did you think about this whole... Because we, we go back to this a few times. We see a lot of kooky characters in the class. What were your thoughts on the My Girl writing course? Did this inspire any kind of writing in your life (laughs) funny you should say that i didn't think it did until i saw the scene Mm -hmm. but um before she gets to the writing class we're shown that she's in love with her teacher first for with a couple teases with macaulay culkin like he kind of knows and he teases her a little bit and then there's a scene of her singing a song and spinning and then flopping on the bed and she's holding a picture and then they reveal it's her class picture with a heart oh. around the teacher's <laughs> face. Yeah. Oh, she loves him so much. She does. That's why she wants to steal the money, get in the writing course, and show up to this adult creative writing class where they're talking about poetry. Yep. And Veda is me at 11. <laughs> I had the high ponytail, the jeans, the tomboy girl, the tom boy girl look Mm -hmm. um best friends were boys Mm -hmm. and i loved to write so i think when i saw this i was like i want to be in a writing class (laughs) oh i could totally do that i liked her first poem that she did the teacher was kind of like we need to get your she was like you need it that's it was like an ice cream poem yeah i like that poem better than some of the later ones because i was like well i don't know it's kind of fun it rhymes and he said that but he's like let's get your deep emotions and i think i bet he probably regrets that knowing where the last (laughs) the last session of the class goes but uh uh, you know, it just gets a little heavy is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but what I loved about this class is that, well, number one, I, I can't confirm it. I believe Robert Duvall just sat in on a couple scenes of this movie in the back as an old man. Looks, I'm shaking my head. Looks just like him. Tyler's so bad at recognizing people. But, like, one of the ways that we introduce this, there's a lot of kooky characters in here a little bit. There's, like, a like a young... I, she's supposed to be kind of just like a 25-year-old Miss Thing or whatever because you can kind of tell the couple of the other guys are, like, into her. And mm-hmm. she's, she's doing poetry about, like, romance. Mm-hmm. And so that's ooh la la, right? And then there's a, a guy with a perm who's like, I don't know. Totally 70s dude. Yeah, but he's got a perm, which is mm-hmm. really weird, like curly hair. That was the thing in the 70s, Tyler. Yeah, I know, but it's just, it's so strange. And then my favorite part is there's an old, I can't remember her poem. It was perfectly fine. There's an older woman who reads a poem, and then like a guy says, like, oh, I think that's about that. And she's like, no, no. She, like, dismisses the guy, and the guy is standing up, and he does, like, this symbol at her. He lifts his hand up and, like, does a gesture of, like, I'm gonna backhand you. Yeah, like, I'm gonna hit the <laughs> shit out of you, you dumb fuck. Shut up. I was, that was insane to me. I was, uh, I was shocked. I was like, whoa, he's just gonna get up in the middle of the class and backhand her for making a comment? Jesus, yeah, that, that was man. amazing. Let's it, bring that back. Going back from, like, because th- even later, like, uh... Dan Aykroyd's brother in the movie is like telling him like oh, it's women's lib man you gotta like not pay for stuff and like it's they're talking about some of this stuff but to see that is very strange Ooh, I was gonna say I did like that brother character the brother character Dan Aykroyd's brother I like yes. there's a scene I really like because Veda has you know she's understandably a little bit 
upset. I, I like how they don't overplay this. I think mm-hmm. they, they do it a little bit and not a, like yeah. a bunch. She's sitting on the porch swinging next to her uncle. Yeah. And her uncle and her dad work together in yeah. the in the family business. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about her dad and they're talking about Shelly, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And they're also talking about kind of like what her dad was like before her mom died. Oh, yeah. Um, how he used to be funny, um, how he's seeming to be a little bit happier now. And she's just sitting there, like, leaning on his shoulder. And I just thought that was, like, the sweetest scene to have a girl and her uncle just have, like, a moment together. I know. I almost Isn't there a scene later where they kind of undermine, like, and they say, like, the brother is like, oh, he came back from the war and he's never been the same. And I was like, he said, No, he says that in that scene. Oh, he, he does. says, yeah, I went to the war. And, you know, your dad says I never came back the same. It's just an it's a it's a cool detail because he's it not is. a very big character, but he also is like really encouraging to his relationship building with Jamie Lee Curtis. He has that women's lib thing, which is fine, but he's encouraging. But I really like that scene on the porch because it's just it's right. It, it, and then yes, she Veda pushes at Jamie Lee Curtis a little bit, but not like a bunch. And like, there's the big bumper car scene where they're. I think they meant to make that look bigger than it is, but really, that's what you do when you go on bumper cars. You try to smash the people you know. Yeah. They made it seem like she was aggressively going after Jamie Lee Curtis only, but I mean, again. She's 11. She's 11. It's bumper cars. You don't know anybody else. If she's bad at bumper cars, which very clearly she was, like, you're going to smash into her a bunch of times. That's just what bumper cars are. But I like that there's this dynamic there where they're sharing this. And also, it's kind of a meta comment on... Like, hey, people that watched all these other Dan Aykroyd movies, like, we know he's not being funny. We're, like, we're telling you he's not trying to be funny. He used to be funny. Like, it's almost like a little bit of, it's like... It's a thing it's we're doing. Serious. It's okay. But I like that scene a lot. And I, I was... I, it was one that... It was not a scene that I remembered in the past mm-hmm. uh, from the movie. So I liked watching that. And, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, Random question. Yeah. There's a scene when Veda's at the doctor's office, mm-hmm. and Macaulay Culkin's hanging out with the receptionist, mm-hmm. and she pulls out these giant shots, so you know, like, you're going to get a shot, only it's a real big one. Yeah. Did you ever have those at home to play with? No. Okay, because my mom used to work at a health clinic, and she'd bring those home, and yeah. we would get to play with them, and they are like big squirt guns. So, like, during that scene, I was like, that's a totally normal thing, these big shots that you use for squirt guns. Just a small detail that no, is another, just another thing I love about this movie. It's a connection from your own childhood. for my life. Well, one thing that I, oh, there's, because the other detail that I liked about um, him, his, the Dan Aykroyd character too, is that there's a scene where he is getting to know Jamie Lee Curtis and he's discussing, like, she's reading a death notice and oh, he's like, God. oh, like, I wrote that. Like, he tries to, like, do this he's brag. Like showing off. But, like. <laughs> it's like. Jane Smith died. It, if, if anybody knows, <laughs> has ever read a, a death note, it's not an obituary, it's just a death notice. They are very much just like the standard, like, it's there's a format to them. But she's totally flirting with him. She's like, you write those? Let me grab the newspaper. And then she oh, reads yeah. a death notice, and then he coolly goes, yeah, I wrote that. But then he, like, backpedals a little bit. Like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. But, like, <laughs> but then he even said, like... <laughs> She even, like, comments his use of in lieu of. It's like, oh, I like that better than, like, instead of. And he's like, oh, yeah, me too. And he has a reason. I was like, yeah, also your reason is that everybody else who's ever written a death notice is always written in lieu of. In lieu of flowers, send blah, blah, blah. I thought it was weird. I think it just kind of gets at this, like, um, if there is a problem, it is just a little bit of a lack of spark between these two actors. I think yeah. it's apparent in that scene. It's apparent, like, when they're playing bingo. That's the big date they go on, by the way, is they go play bingo. And she's got this line, and she's 
she's giving him, like, the eyes. So we know that she's into him. Like, it's just, like, a big trigger. But it feels like such an abrupt change from their previous relationship because there's not a lot of sparks going on. And it's just, like, there's a room of... Oh, yeah, she's just talking about, like, there's a room of 100 men, and you might not like any one of any one of them, but then you might be in a room with one man, and it's the perfect one for you. And I was confused by this level of flirtation because... When she says it, they're in a room with a hundred other men. Who are over the age of 80. I know, but, like, what I'm saying is, like, is she saying that they're in a, like, because they're in a, currently in a room of a hundred men, and she, it sounds like she's saying, like, I don't, I'm not interested in any of these people. <laughs> 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 Including you, Dan Acro, but I think she meant, like, the one-on-one, I like she our did. one-on-one relationship. She did. I mean, there was more spark between the kid actors than there were the adult actors. Yeah, there, there definitely was, um... The, the the so the big scene. I think you finally realize when this started happening because you remember the trigger. It's like, oh no, he can't die. Macaulay Culkin can't die until they kiss. Yeah, there's the first kiss. So scene. they and it is pretty much after that they get they go down to the the river or lake and they have a kiss. And my favorite part of this is that they're they just do it because they want to know what it's like or whatever. It's not they're not trying to be romantic. They're just friends. But then they like to cut the tension. They like say the Pledge of Allegiance. I thought that was really good. <laughs> he says the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. She's like, say something. Like, what did you think? She's like, that total girl thing of like, you need to validate my shit right now or I'm going to freak out. Yeah. And then he is 11. So he's like, I don't know what the fuck to say. So then he's like, I pledge allegiance she to the flag. And then she joins him. Yeah. And, and it's okay. super cute. And so then they, prior to that too, they've already like knocked a beehive down in the forest before. And then you freaked out then too. But like, she drops her mood ring there from her mother. And it's after this scene where they, they say their goodbyes. And it's like this, like, like that's when you know, even if you don't know this movie, you're like, oh, that kid's gonna die. Because they're like, wouldn't, would you marry me if you weren't gonna marry your, your, your teacher? And she's like, yeah, I might consider. He's like, okay, well, have a good day. And it's like the slow walk away with the bike. You're like, you're like oh. well, that's, he's gonna bite it in a little bit. Die. Yeah. And so then he goes back into the woods and he finds the rude ring, but then the beehive that he knocked down because he never watched, never read or watched Winnie the Pooh. Don't fuck with the <laughs> uh, beehive. And they come and get him. He's allergic to bees, and like, you know, he's in trouble because there's like a slow mo glasses drop. Macaulay Culkin's glasses mm-hmm. slow mo drop to the ground, and you're like, oh no, kid's gonna die. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, and that's when we got the last twenty minutes of this. Uh, it's just it's torture. It's like it's like torture porn watching the last twenty minutes. Oh, of this but movie. you're like, I didn't cry at all. Which no, is I'm not saying it's not emotional. Bullshit. I'm saying you I did didn't too. cry. I had a lump in my throat, and I remember. The, the you even made a comment. Movie. I looked at you when you're like, "This is bullshit," or you said something. It's torture porn. It's so much. It's so. Ugh, it's just like so heavy. It's crazy how much they wallow in this. Like, do you think it was m- more um, impactful now as a parent versus when you were a kid? No, and I'll tell you why. Not as a parent, because I don't feel like Macaulay Culkin's parents gave a shit about him when he was alive. Because you're not the only one he, to say this. I talked to others, and they're like, "Where the fuck is Macaulay Culkin's parents?" Like, number one, he he's watching television with them, and then Anna Klumsky's like, "Let's go to the bingo thing to spy my dad." Let's sneak he out. He stands up right in the middle of the fucking TV and takes off. And they don't. There's no comedy. He's like, "Oh, they might. Oh, they might find out that I went." It's like you left, motherfucker. You went out the door they and left. Fucking they're just like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, where were they? And when you think he's allergic to bees, that would be, like, the number one thing. Like, we're not going into the woods. We're not... Oh, man. He's allergic to everything, they said. So, whatever. The, the character, they're not enough in the movie to really say they don't care. But, um... Yeah, what was I saying? <laughs> what were you saying, Tyler Wilson? 
It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm fucking tired. So, I don't know what you were saying. It, but, okay. This reminds me a little bit. The last 20 minutes of this movie kind of Yeah, torture porn. That's what you were going off on. Of, like, spoilers for Six Feet Under. But there is... If you don't know, Six Feet Under is an HBO show that was on the air several years ago, and it was about a family that lived in a funeral home right. and took well, care of dead bodies. Well, in the last season, blah, blah, blah. A, a fairly main character dies abruptly. Spoiler alert, Jesus. I'm not going to say who it was, but in the last season, like, one of the main, main characters just dies, and it's not like in the last episode, it happens early, and there's an entire episode where they're, like, figuring out how where to put him, where to bury him, they're lifting his dead body all over places, he wants, like, a green funeral, and it is just some of the most, like, intense shit you've ever seen in your life, and you're just like, this is raw, like, you're just in the middle of this, like, horrible situation. Real grief. And a little bit of this is like that. I think the the conversation that she it's it's they try to ease into it. Dan Aykroyd comes into the room and it's just like he got stung. He's not okay. You can't visit him. This is when she runs the doctor and has this big scene of like I can feel the beast. That's okay. yeah. That's the other thing I I really liked about. There's another scene that kind of shows her fear of death mm-hmm. when she loses her ball downstairs and she has a legitimate panic attack downstairs where there's dead bodies. She don't even I don't even think she she might see a. A bag she over. doesn't see anything. She doesn't go get her ball. But she's hyperventilating at the top of the stairs. Jamie Lee Curtis sees her. She tries to bring it up with uh, Dan Aykroyd, and Dan Aykroyd's like, she's grown up in a funeral home. She doesn't have any issues she's with that. She's fucking fine. Which is whatever. He's kind of terrible. <laughs> Just typical dad parent in movies. Fair, fairly terrible parent down the stretch of this movie. But yeah, like I, I what I liked about her panic attack is it it, it felt real. It, it it's not like necessarily how I've had panic attacks, but it just felt legitimate for her. And you got a sense of her. And then seeing that, you know what? And I told you it was kind of weird to see that scene out of context when she goes to the doctor. Seeing it all together, where she's already been there, and you've seen her do the panic attack, it feels very more much more naturalistic. It's a good performance, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's kind of hard to watch. Um, mostly when we get to the funeral. And we see Macaulay Culkin's head. He's got like wasp bites or whatever all over Bee his face. Beastings. And she's listening at the top of the stairs and she slowly comes down and then she's just like, where's his glasses? Where's his glasses? She runs in. She's making a scene. Oh shit, it's fucking heavy. <laughs> like it's just like a real raw. That's when my lump was in my throat. And I was holding back my tears. I held him back. But it is, it is raw. It is like a fairly legitimate, uh, piece of, of, of dramatic mm-hmm. it feels real mm-hmm. it, it, you know even knowing that it's Macaulay Culkin mm-hmm. and it you know it's a movie we've seen a hundred times what I was looking forward to watching not really looking forward to but curious to hear was how they were going to depict Dan Aykroyd breaking the news to her because he's a funeral director yeah you think that of all the people who would have the spiel down to prepare someone for the grief of losing someone, it would be him. That's his fucking job. He does it every day. He kind of drops the ball when you see it. Because yeah. I, I think the first scene is for us, the audience, to kind of ease into the news. But it's out of character because he doesn't do what he needs to do, which is express to her very clear that he's gone and dead. Because to the point where she comes in during this funeral and he's yelling at her like, he's gone, he's gone. It's like... Dude, this was a conversation you needed to have an hour ago, yeah. two hours ago, half a day ago, a day ago, two days ago. Mm-hmm. This is like a big deal in her life as her best friend. And like, where were you? Because it's bad parenting. Even watching the movie when I was a kid. So during this scene, and as an adult, and having to break the news to our kids that like grandparents have passed, 
and died they're very clear that like with kids you need to use really concrete language like they died like use the straight up words not like they've passed away even is not enough like they died they're dead even if you say like heaven like you're you're being very clear like they are not here anymore in this scene he doesn't say died dead passed away what he says is you can't go over there he says it was too much the bees were too much for him Mm -hmm. i feel like when i saw this as a kid i was like so, like, is he, like, in critical care in the hospital? So, yeah. at that point, for me, as a kid who... I'd been to funerals, but I didn't still think it was really clear that he was for sure dead. So, then, when the funeral scene comes, I think as a kid, I was like, what the fuck? He's dead? Yeah, and people... And imagine the shock, too, is it's, it's superstar Macaulay Culkin, as well. Like, we're, yeah. not, we're not ready for that. It's kind of like reverse that Arrested Development doctor who is always coming in. It's like, they didn't make it. It's like, what do you... Oh, they're so sad. It's like, no, no, they, he didn't make it down to that room. Like, he's down <laughs> on the other side. It's the opposite of that guy. He he spoils the news when it's not even bad news. This was, like, not good. So then, yeah, he has opportunity to stop her. She runs away. She goes and sees the... She goes down to her, her teacher's house. Oh, my God. Also so does she's running out job. of the house yeah. while the funeral's going on. Yeah. It's been going on for a while because... People are coming. They've sat down. They started the service. She's run up to the casket. She's had the whole like his glasses, his glasses. You can't see without his glasses. Well, the going down to the, the yeah. So then she's late. That was gonna be my joke. <laughs> you son of a bitch. So Sorry. then she's running. She's left the house now. She's running by his house, which is a few houses down from his, and he's just coming out casually, leaving his house. He's dressed in a nice suit, looking yep. handsome, you know, yes. as a teacher. And he's like, "Oh, I was just about to head over to your house." Bro, you're like fucking twenty minutes late to this well, funeral. I mean, rude. It could be. You don't even. You don't know if they're that close. She could have been running for a while. He could be an hour late. I'm as pretty far certain as they like live on the same. Maybe street. he's just going to like the the post reception or something. So maybe. then here's this teacher who has had this um, student in his class, and she clearly has a crush you gotta on him. Got to be dumb not to notice this. Yeah, she not... clearly has a crush on him. Right. So then Veda's super upset, and she mm-hmm. says something along the lines of like, "You know what? I just I need to tell you how I feel, and I love you." Oh, I like this. I think and, it's so like sweet and like real and it's just like she's very emotional she's just like letting her truth out i actually love this she's like i love you i just can i move in with you and like (laughs) we can live together and as if the teacher's not noticing this girl in absolute utter grief at losing a fucking 11 year old best friend who just died he's like well and this chick comes out of his house dressed in oh i meant to tell you we're so happy yeah, oh, this is my fiance. We're getting married. <laughs> it's like okay, look, I know that you're, you you don't want to like lead, lead a girl on, on an a little girl. Student. I'm not saying that, but it's like this is the worst time to be like like this is my fiance. What you say is like that's my sister. <laughs> like, and what you say is that's really sweet and that's really inappropriate. <laughs> it's really inappropriate, but I care about you. Let's go back to your house. But I care about Stay you. Together. I want to make sure you're okay. Who's that girl? That's my sister. That's just that's what you say. It doesn't matter who that girl is. <laughs> I want to take care of you right yeah. now. Yeah, and you just be like, see you no, later. No, he's <laughs> just like, I'm getting married. Yeah. And then she's like, ah, fuck. And then she keeps just keeps yeah, on Yeah, and then she runs off and she goes to the tree and yeah. The, yeah. And then the, the, the police are looking for him. The oh police comes God. to the door. So it's nighttime finally. The police comes the, come to the door. They tell Dan Aykroyd, it's like, we've been looking everywhere for her. We can't find her. And I don't know if this is because it's probably even more hilarious on a Rick. Our DVD, unfortunately, was a full screen version. So it's not too pan skinny, but like, we're probably losing some, some of the screen here. But like, it's in the same shot where like, we just couldn't find her. And then she just opens, like, she's right behind her. Like, right, right there. She opens the door. She's like, oh, I'm back. I was like, dude, did you, like, 
police officer, like, do you, like, look behind you when you come into someone's house? She's, like, right behind you. This is, like, she's literally walking down the like, street. you've done a terrible job. Your town is very small. You should be able to find this girl. There's only, like, five places she's gonna be. She's my girl. She's probably just walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a different... That? That's do uh, de, de, that's not the same song, but I like it. Um, hey, we were singing that song earlier. I'm gonna give it, I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you don't have much places to look. Like at least wait. Like I don't know if I'm gonna break the news that like I've done a terrible job all day. I I should say <laughs> to the. Ding, 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 ding. I'm gonna have to interrupt you, Tyler. Okay. It is time for our segment. If this is the third time, it's no longer new after this. Okay. Called Tea Time with Tyler. So sorry for the interruption, but. My tea, tea is out of water. Time with it's Tyler. where Angela grabs a spot of tea. Okay, and it's tea. Let's time hear that with British Tyler. accent. A uh, spot of tea. All right. Okay, Tyler. So while I am refilling my tea with this water bottle of hot, hot, hot boiling Let me water, just pull up uh, unrelated IMDb. Get out of here. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a choice today. Okay, you can choose Dan Aykroyd or Macaulay Culkin. Go. What What's is your it, choice? Though? Just pick your pick your. Guy first. Uh, Macaulay Culkin. Okay, Tyler, I need you to list, this is going to be easy because I love you, your top five Macaulay Culkin movies. My favorites? Yes. And here we go. Home Alone. Starting with your most favorite. Home Alone, followed by Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, followed by My Girl, followed by Richie Rich. Oh, My Girl's number three? Followed by, yeah. Wow, okay. Followed by uh, (laughs) Saved. That's five. Go ahead and now list five other of the most terrible Macaulay Culkin movies you can think of. Richie Rich is bad, so I'm going to put that on the same list. The Page Master is, should be a lot better than it was. Uh, the Good Son is oh, fucking terrible. I hate that movie. And uh, he's been in some other stuff I haven't seen. God, he didn't really make that many movies, really. It was just, he he's kind of pops up every Keep going! I don't know if I know any more. I think that's probably it. You only had three really bad ones. Or well, four, he's maybe. only probably in ten movies. I know he kind of pops up in random things a little bit. But well, thanks for joining Saves me Saves was for one of the ones he made later. Tea Time with Tyler, where Angela grabs a spot of tea. I don't know if I could have done Dan Aykroyd. It would have just been like Ghostbusters and like eh, the rest of them. Trading places. Eh. Would you like to continue? No. The tea time is over, so okay. shut it down. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> you made your choice. I can't even see what you're pouring, so I don't even know how much time I have anymore, because you blocked. I can't, I can't even... My vision is obscured. Oh. Okay, so the end of the movie... Jamie Lee Curtis puts her to bed because I don't, oh Dan Rackroyd's out I guess still looking for her. Looking again for small her. town you should have been able to find her oh I guess she the cop comes in and tells Jamie Lee Curtis I don't know I have yes. a weird memory yeah, of this that's how it goes down so then she like has a scene it's not too overstated I think she just does a good job of being there for her it's not they're not trying to like mel- meld a relationship or whatever oh there was some other business with uh, she gains respect for her when she fights the that her ex husband shows up and Dan Rackroyd like slugs him or you know there's a little bit of like respect there but. Whatever, uh, we've already passed Blah, that. blah, blah. But anyway, then we get Dan Aykroyd coming in, and this is kind of supposed to be like a scene where you're supposed to make her feel His better redemption or something. redemption scene. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't know. I think, like, she's really leading the conversation again. She's just like, Dad, this is when, like, she says, like, did I kill Mom? And then, like, he finally is able to, like, kind of share his feelings about that and, like, seeing her and, like, how you remind her of her. And I, I like that it's not about directly Thomas J. dying. It is, like, they are using this thing about his... Ma- her mom to kind of get to that that greater point. Um, maybe you could say that's a little disrespectful to her friend being dead, but, uh, you know, whatever. I think it gets to the point. But again, I don't think uh, it's Dan Aykroyd, not, not the best dad here. I don't think he really does much even in this last scene. I think she's kind of just uh, 
get she got through her own shit basically. She mm-hmm. she took off, she ran off, went to the tree, like said her goodbyes internally, and then told talked to her dad and made sure like, hey, did I kill my mom? And then like she kind of led this whole thing. Totally. I still think she probably has some real panic about a uh, death. I would guess. Oh uh, yeah. She's gonna have more of these incidents, I think. And I don't remember much about my girl too, but I don't recall a lot of that. No. So then after that, there's two final scenes, basically. Mm-hmm. One is the worst scene of the Both of these are bad, actually. Movie. I don't like how this movie ends. Number one, they're out. They're getting, grabbing a coffee or something, yeah. a little treat at an ice cream shop or a coffee shop or something. Yeah. And they're sitting um, in the restaurant, and there's a big window, and uh, Thomas's mom walks by, and she knock, knock, knocks on the window, calls the dad out. Dad mm-hmm. comes out and talks to her. And, uh, She's like, oh, how you doing? He asks her. She's like, First yeah, of all, she's terrible like, fucking question to ask a well, grieving she's like, mother. Oh, how's Veda doing? And he's like, oh, she's doing great. Oh, yeah, no, because she goes like, she goes into a, a multi, it's almost like a monologue. She's just like, well, there's just some days where I can't bring myself out of bed, but there are other days where I can, but then I just keep thinking he's at camp. Like, it is dark. She's in a horrible place. She's barely mustered the energy to get out of her house finally. How's she even dressed? Yeah. And then he's just like, oh, and she's like, how's Veda? And he's like, oh, they're pretty good. She's pretty good. <laughs> like, <laughs> bad at his job so he's not a great dad not a great comforter at the is the uncle the guy that's doing all like the the talking you know now or is it grandma we didn't even talk about grandma is your favorite character in the whole movie she's not my favorite character but she's an important character that she kind of took care of veda growing up it's you know the dad shares and then she kind of has alzheimer's and she can't remember anything and it kind of shows them dealing with that and just one more thing that veda has to deal with the grandma randomly shows up singing in various scenes in a a funeral yeah and it's Funny, but not funny. It's also really sad. It's my. I, I probably didn't when I first saw this didn't compute that it was like Alzheimer's. Number one, I think this is even at a point where us kids were just like, oh, that's what happens when you get old. You just uh, get a little crazy. Old people are funny. But then also like Alzheimer's, <laughs> I didn't remember anything about this character until we watched it. Like completely blind spotted out this whole character. Uh, yeah, but it's good. I think it, it it's a little bit. It's enough. Um, they call her Grandma, which uh, weird, but mm-hmm. um. But yeah, so then you have that scene with the mom, whatever, and then you get this other scene, which I also don't like. It's just like, there's been a little girl that's kind of, was at the beginning where she kind of wanted to be Veda's friend, but the other girls were being mean to her. They were being bitches to her. Yeah, they were being bitches, but uh, that's, you know, She's a tomboy, and she has a boy who's a friend. And but there's and a girl and that clearly like, liked her, and like, oh, I think she'd be a nice person to hang out with. Well, at the end, she comes back around, and then they go riding off on a bike, and the My Girl song plays, and I go... I know it's time for the movie to end, <laughs> but to me, it's, it just was like, and she found a new friend, and who cares about Matt Culkin? <laughs> it's it's the time period where, like, we liked movies to be wrapped up in a bow. Yeah. Versus, I feel like movies now have the freedom to be like, we'll drop shit on you hot and he- well, like hard and painful and book out. I think a lot of movies would probably still try to pull this shit where they try to, like, give you this happy little bow. It doesn't feel like the right thing, though. It just feels like, yes, life goes on. I get that. I think that we're, I understand the, the notion that we're going for, but like, you just run, ran us through the ringer with this uh, Macaulay Culkin death. He's like, like, it's okay, she got a new friend. Maybe, maybe just let us leave this theater crying. I don't know. Like, we just need to, like, I, I don't know. I, just, I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. It just seemed weird. I, I Almost we could have maybe, like like you thought, maybe move the death up a little bit earlier in the movie. Maybe spend a little time with that. Maybe provide us with some other conflict that happens after that to kind of break us away from that a little bit. And then have a, a scene where she kind of remembers him a little bit differently or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, she gets the mood ring back. That's why her mother... Thomas J's mother shows back, and that's because he found it, and that he never gave it back to her. And so there's a little bit of a connective tissue there, but 
I don't know. Like, to me, it's just, like, this, like, studio-mandated, like, let's put him out on a happy note with the My Girls song. Eh. Yeah. But it sounds like, overall, you still love holds this movie. Up. Hold, that movie holds up. Totally worth those three and a half, whatever, four and a half stars. That this is, so I, I did it. tease this a little bit. Honestly, I don't know how I'd rate this, because I think this is one of those movies where I saw it enough at a certain age that when I watch it now, all I feel is what I felt watching it, mostly. Like, I can kind of objectively look at individual scenes and be like, that was bad, or that didn't work for me, or I really like this. But as a unit, to me, I, I, I also connected with Veda in a way that I, I was, I'm a hypochondriac, always have been, um, panic attacks are in my life. Like, these are things that I could connect with. And so, it was, as a kid even, I could connect with who she was. And so, to me, it's a hard, I, I don't know, it's one of these where I'm just like, I like it. It's I have memories of it. so much nostalgia for us. It just feels like, I, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I was like, is it good? I don't know if it's good. I can't tell because it's just like what I like about it are, I think there are, in, like I, I can objectively say that I think there's some good performances here. I think there's some good scenes. I think there's some scenes that don't work, but as a unit, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, I'm, I'm glad to hear Roger Ebert liked it then. Um, maybe, maybe it's just, it's just good. I don't know. It's one of those I can't, I can't uh, necessarily decide. Yeah, before we wrap up here, Roger Ebert did compare it to a movie that came out the month before mm-hmm. called Man in the Moon. Which I had heard of but never seen. Yeah, so that one was directed by Robert Mulligan, who also... Oh, we just said this. And to Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, he made the To Kill a Mockingbird movie with Gregory Peck. And he actually rates that movie a little bit higher than this one. Like a four-star review, Yeah, I never saw that one. I don't really recognize many of the actors. And maybe that's a, and that, that could be a case of Roger Ebert. I mean, he... This was a later career movie oh. for the director. It's you know he's in the bag for that director. Maybe there's some aspects there. And as I'm looking at the quick storyline yeah. here of Man in the Moon, it says rural Louisiana, summer of 1957, which is probably more his time period versus summer of 71. But I'm kind of curious to go and watch that movie. Yeah. Um, well, what I like compare. about this is that it's not uh, what what's in, what's cool about being a 90s kid. Yes, we had technology, but like the act of being a kid. From 1971, 72, like, it didn't change enough that this still felt, like, her life still seemed relatable to me. Oh, I felt like Veda. Yeah. I didn't even probably pick up on the fact that it was 72, that yeah. it was 20 years earlier. It works as a period, whereas now I don't know if that's the case. I don't, I No, I if really we were to show a movie from 1998. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, you know, watching... Or set in 98, Well, yeah, yeah they... I, it's almost like we have to comment on, like, last year, the, the Stephen King movie, It, came out, and it was, like, it was set in the 80s. They changed the time period that was... In the book, it was set in the 60s when they were kids, and they moved it up to the 80s so it could be relatable. But, it, I mean, even that, I mean, I like that movie, but it's it's commenting on lifestyle then versus now. Mm-hmm. Whereas this came out, and it was just, like, for us, anyway, that's what it was like. It feel, feels the same. Like, that 80, 80s for it is, like, kind of similar to the 90s of, of My Girl. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it still feels that way. I, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't feel like 72 other than... I mean, once you watch it again, obviously, you pick up on it. But, um, yeah, no, to me, it was just, like, what it was. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's good. I think if you watched it as a kid, you should definitely revisit it. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you liked it then, you'll definitely still like it. I just don't know. I don't know. That's one of those conflicted about shelled in nostalgia. It is. It's too shelled, and it is weird when I when we turned it on. Like for whatever reason, like I was not like eager to watch it, 
And then when he starts, and it's like, I was born jaundiced, it's like, oh, yeah, I watched this movie. A lot. A lot. Like, and so <laughs> it just becomes like a comfort. Even the, the hard stuff at the end, it's something that you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So if you haven't seen it in a while, go watch it if you want to. It's on Pluto TV, apparently. Oh, it's on Pluto, brought to you by Pluto. <laughs> hey, if they want to sponsor the show, they can. They're more than welcome to. I, they have great channels. I don't know what I said earlier, but it's all good quality content. Definitely. Actually, I do like, they do have a whole channel of, like, Mystery Science Theater, at, like, movies. And so, like, you could, there's commercials in it, but, you know, there's something. Yeah. Let's sponsor the show, Pluto TV. All right, well, guys, we just really appreciate you tuning in and listening to us um, talk about old mo- old movies that we remember on Old Millennials Remember Movies. You almost got it. <laughs> I almost got it. Where can you find us? You can find us here, wherever you're listening to us right now, wherever you got to us. That's iTunes, where you can find us. Play, Google Play, Stitcher. Yeah, and what really helps us is if you can go out onto iTunes, uh, Old Millennials Remember Movies, and leave us a review if you found this enjoyable, and it will help other people that like this kind of content find us. I just got excited the other day like two days ago i went on there and i saw a review a five-star review and i was like oh yeah and i was reading it and I was like this is a great review and then i realized it was my own you reviewed our own podcast no. <laughs> oh, i was like i don't i don't think we have any of that what why why don't we though <laughs> also depending on if you like facebook twitter or instagram you can go ahead and find us there we're too on instagram definitely Isn't so that the cool one are we in snapchat we're not on snapchat yet but you can get to us can you um, get on snapchat from our website at old millennials remember.com got it you can also tune into some other podcasts we have on there including ninja turtle talk live ninja with turtle Tyler talk and live Sean. Uh, we should have some more content coming through there it's not that one doesn't come out as often as this one but uh stay tuned and uh coming soon fingers crossed saved by the bell podcast coming soon hopefully. yeah but check out our previous episodes we have uh Eight previous episodes of this one of old uh, millennials remember movies, and at least half of them are pretty good. At least one or two in there. Yeah, I mean, right. so if you don't listen to a good one, like that's one, one of the bad ones. Yeah. You just try another one. Try yeah. another one. Again, thanks for listening, and we will talk at you on the next episode. I think I got a chicken bone stuck in my throat.